everybody. Welcome to That's Life, where it's been a short work week, but i got to tell you, somehow or another, it seems interminable. Good morning, folks. Thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network. We are coming to you from the home of the Nahum Siegel Network on the overcast and humidly beautiful Lower East Side here this morning. I'm joined by Jamie at the desk and Avrami behind the board. What's up, Avram? All's well. How are you? Good. Thank you. Your commute was good? Uh, yeah, thank God. All went uh, well. Got here in uh, in good time. So, uh, yeah. Good. Good. Happy to see you. Good um, to be here. Yeah, you got it. And um, I just want to let everyone know there's a good chance we will be going a little bit over time today. It's, it's uh, not going to be intentional, but we have two great conversations to be had. And uh, I'm also preempting any bad looks I'm going to get from Avram sitting on the other side of the desk. If you are a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. If you're a returning listener, thanks as always for making us part of your day. Follow us on Twitter, Nahum Siegel Net. That's all one word. Miriam L. Wallach, also all one word. National holiday, it's National Hamburger Day. Yeah, Rummy Smiles, unfortunately for you, you're having salad. I want to remind people, by the way, two things. Number one, piggybacking on last week's show, there is still time to vote for Mrs. Esther Hertzfeld, as per the conversation that we had last week, especially after a three-day chag here in the United States. That's three days that people here could not vote unless they voted Monday night or Arab Yantif or whatever. They could not vote for her to win this um, handicapped accessible vehicle. So please, if you could do me a favor, you go to mobilityawarenessmonth.com. You click on search for a hero. You can find Mrs. Esther Hertzfeld. She is in Teaneck, New Jersey. Please vote for her. Do whatever you can today, tomorrow, through the end of the month. You can also, as we mentioned, Give to their crowdfunding efforts to help them transform their home. You can go to crowdrise.com slash Hertzfeld Extreme Home Makeover. That's all one word. Slash fundraiser slash Aviva Rosenfeld. And my thanks again to Ellie and Aviva Rosenfeld for facilitating our conversation with Mrs. Hertzfeld last week. I also want to make mention that our coverage of the Celebrate Israel Parade will take place this Sunday from 11 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Eastern Time. Nahum, Mark, ZK, Jamie, and I We'll be there to bring you the best of what we see on Sunday. Make sure to tune in. Listen for all of the fun that we have planned. Jamie's got bingo boards, folks, right? That's what I said. Jamie's got bingo boards. You don't want to miss it. My thanks as well to the American Committee for Shari Tzedek, to Jay Drugs, and to Kitchen Sink, who are all sponsors of that programming. The sports rabbi, Josh Halleckman, joins us on the phone. And because there is so much to talk about, I do not want to waste any time. Josh Halkman, the sports rabbi, on the phone from Israel, because in a million years, Rabbi, good afternoon to you. How are you doing, Miriam? I think I'm well. In a million years, I never thought I'd get this enervated over world soccer in my entire life, but I am yep. beyond livid. But what I want people to understand, and I'm going to ask you to explain all of this, is that even though the big story yesterday was about the indictments that came down for 14 FIFA soccer officials that were indicted by the U.S. Attorney General yesterday. That, and it's uh, regarding a massive corruption scandal spanning two decades, that's not the Israel angle. It impacts on the Israel angle, but that's not the Israel angle. So I'm turning to you to explain to all of our listeners how Israel fits into all of this. Oh, yes, Miriam. Israel always fits into everything somehow. <laughs> and why, did, why does everybody pick on us for the small little sliver of land between Asia, Africa, and Europe? I, somehow, that, that is an somehow endless... it doesn't matter what we're involved in. Right, or not involved in. Of discussion, right, right, or not involved in. I'm sure we've also been blamed, as I joke all the time, for the Titanic. But seriously, for a moment... 
Israel is an important part of um, at least our angle of the story, specifically because not only was tomorrow supposed to be the vote to um, for the presidency of FIFA, where the incumbent, who has been actually there for 17 years, uh, Blatter, he was supposed That's to Blatter. right Blatter. He was supposed to um, be uh, you know reassigned to his post, so to speak, voted in again. But there was a secondary vote, which was incredibly imp- important to uh, to to Jews, to Israelis, and to Zionists. Scheduled, still scheduled to take place tomorrow. Basically, the uh, PFA, the Palestinian Football Association, under the head of uh, terrorist. Jibril Rajoub wants to expel Israel from FIFA. Uh, they want to expel Israel from the 209 nations that play soccer under the governing body of FIFA, who also obviously governs the World Cup and many other international uh, tournaments that take place across the world. That's basically the crux of it. Jibril Rajoub is using FIFA as a political tool to try to get Israel in trouble. He is uh, trying to use some issues that are really totally non-soccer or football, as they call it, related, uh, to do that in itself. For example, he'd like to have uh, soccer. their soccer players have easier access to crossing various different borders uh, in and outside of Israel, into the Yehuda and Shomron and out of Yehuda and Shomron. He would like more access, uh, that they should build more stadiums, that money should be allocated and bring in more building materials to build more stadiums. He would also like to see five soccer teams that are currently playing in the lower leagues in Israel uh, because they play in Yehuda and Shomron. He would like to see Israel expelled from FIFA because there are five teams that play that, A, those five teams will be more than happy to have an Arab player play for them. Mm -hmm. They've all gone out and say that, too. They all play against teams that have Arabs on them and some teams that are just totally Arab teams. Um... But Jibril Rajoub has decided that he wants to try to stick it to Israel, and he wants to get it his way. And he's decided that FIFA, to use sport as a mean for politics. Uh, so what's happened over the past couple of weeks is that there's been shuttle dis- diplomacy between Jibril Rajoub, Ofraini, who's the head of the Israel Football Association, and Joseph Sepp Blatter, who's the head of FIFA for the past 17 or so years, was up for election. There were meetings in uh, Zurich. There were meetings in Geneva. Uh, Sepp Blatter was in Israel last week. I actually attended the press conference at the King David Hotel with him, and then he also went to Ramallah to meet with the, uh, the PFA as well mm-hmm. to try to have the PFA pull the vote off of the uh, agenda to expel Israel. Um, and the only way Jibril Rajoub will pull it off is if he gets uh, his five points across and that Israel, on a political level, on a security level, agree to those things. So it's not so much, let's, let's call it, the story of the five teams that are playing Hudo and Shomron, really not the big story here. Right. But again, the issue is, is that he wants uh, easier access for the players. Some of those players, might, I might add, last week one of them was held at the border for 24 hours, and people were saying, oh, this is terrible, Israel, why would they do such a thing? Well, this is a man that funneled money from Qatar to Hamas. <laughs> so there's, there's good reasons why the Israeli security apparatus decided to hold him for 24 hours to see where he was going and what he was doing. I'm not sure that you're uh, able, I'm, I'm not sure you're able to see the New York Times yet this morning, but classically there's an op-ed in today's Times um, that is called uh, FIFA Should Give Israel the Red Card. It is written by, and I am going to destroy this name, 
simply because I am not familiar with Arabic. It's uh, Iyad Abu Garkod, if I got that even nearly correctly. And um, he plays for the he plays for their national soccer team. Um, he plays for the Palestinian national soccer team and the West Bank Premier League. And my favorite line, if you'll, I mean, I hope you've pulled over or you're sitting because I don't want to. I'm sitting. I don't want to be responsible for uh, for anything that goes wrong. But this is my favorite line from this uh, from this piece that was given a platform in the New York Times. Yes, on the op-ed page, but still given a voice. He writes, and during last year's Gaza conflict, Israeli jets bombed our soccer fields and recreational areas. He, did, he forgot to mention that they were launching missiles from those places. Right. right? There's no asterisk. There's no oopsie-daisies. Correct. There is no, right. We, uh, we indiscriminately bombed their soccer fields. So, so tell me where you see this going. Tell me where you see this going. We only have a couple of minutes left, but tell me well, what you think is going to happen only tomorrow. Only a couple of minutes. We could spend an hour on this. I, tell me period. about it. I know. <laughs> Who knew I could talk <laughs> so, about soccer for an hour? So yeah. Basically, where is it going? It's, uh, there's craziness going on right now because of the uh, 14 executives that were arrested, some of which I might add um, are blatant anti-Semites. What, it, what Jibril Rajoub is doing is blatant anti-Semitism to the core. Um, there's not even a question. It's not even a, you can't even discuss it. This is just basically what it is. Jack Warner, one of the people right. arrested in the FIFA scandal, he had blamed Zionism in 2011 when the reports right. started coming out that Qatar by them getting a World Cup, uh, was done underhanded, and there were things going on, uh, let's say money being passed under the table, which we're very familiar with. Uh, and that's exactly what FIFA does. In essence, Sepp Blatter is in a lot of trouble, especially now the breaking news is, is that Michel Platini, the head of the European Union of Soccer football teams, mm-hmm. has come out and basically said that we will support Israel unconditionally, wow. that the UEFA is supporting Israel 110%, that there is no, there's no question, and that all the people should be voting for the other candidate who comes, uh, Prince Ali from Jordan. Right. That, uh, is ironically. The other person, that, that is the other person that is running. There's also been reports, Miriam, believe it or not, that the Qatar Federation has been running around places in Africa and Asia paying off countries to vote for the expulsion of Israel. Oh Would that, is that shocking, you know? No. This is, I, what, goes on. This is what goes on in FIFA. It's not, it's not shocking. I just wish not, it was a better use of their resources, but I yeah. guess, what do I know? It, you know, last but not least, at the end of the day, as Sepp Blatter was talking about not using soccer, not using sport for political aspirations, right. He, in itself, is the king of using the sport for political aspirations, having been voted five, or he's going over his fifth term as the head of FIFA, usually totally unopposed, and basically letting all the stuff go on underneath his nose. And he's not going to be able to walk away freely as a free man by the end of this, by hook or by crook. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, Rabbi Halakman, as always, I mean, I, I don't even know... I don't even know what to say. I'm, I am, I'm dumbfounded. But I, but I do want to make mention about the J Post article uh, that came out a number of hours ago that referred to this possibly as Israel's Monica moment, um, referring to the time that Netanyahu sat with uh, at that time President Bill Clinton 
and he was expecting what was supposed to be a very heated discussion um, about peace talks, and instead the Monica Lewinsky story broke later that afternoon, so the entire issue of uh, the Palestinians and, and peace talks went to what was side was sidetracked clearly. So is this an opportunity for, uh, ironically enough for the story about the Palestinians that has no merit to begin with, but would have, but clearly is gaining traction anyway. Is it for an opportunity for us to just be able for this, for this vote to be able to just be sidetracked right now? Because as the J post mentioned, a court that, People in FIFA are not interested in fighting, you know, fires on two on two fronts. Yeah, they're probably not. They've wanted to now move these elections six months away. They, let's be honest; most people don't want to deal with this whole Israel expulsion thing, and they also know that there are plenty of other member nations that uh, let's call it do a lot worse uh, in the world's eyes than uh, than Israel does, and we can name a number of those countries and. Besides the point, the PFA, let's all remind everybody that they are not an officially recognized country. Who are they to bring up this vote at FIFA against Israel? Got it. All right. Well, I, Josh Halkman, I thank you as always. You can follow The Sports Rabbi. It's at The Sports Rabbi on Twitter. It is one of my favorite sports accounts. I don't always follow everything that's going on, but uh, it's definitely something that keeps me informed of things going on in Israel. So I thank you for your time. My pleasure, Miriam. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Rabbi Barry Gelman from the United Orthodox Synagogues in Houston joins us on the phone. I don't want to take up too much of Rabbi Gelman's time because, frankly, he has a lot of things going on. Rabbi Gelman, thank you for joining me. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, the story from Vazisnayas with the picture um, of your wife standing in your kitchen with uh, the debris everywhere and results of flooding is something that personally struck me having met your wife a number of times. Um, so I, I guess at the beginning of the conversation, I'm, I'm just going to ask you how you and your family are doing. Thank you, Miriam, for having me on, and thank you for your concern. We are doing okay. We are slowly uh, but surely undergoing the process of, of drying out, of drying out, and... Um, and uh, that means we have crews over tearing out the carpets and cutting out the drywall. Hmm. We've had to move out of our house, and we've been uh, very fortunate to have uh, friends down the street who uh, live in elevated homes, so they didn't flood, so we're going to be able to move in with them for the foreseeable future. So we're uh, we're doing uh, as good as could be expected, uh, you know, difficult circumstances. Right. Um, but really what, what makes it um, doable are, are the phone calls, the texts, the emails of people who just are checking in to say hello and see how we're doing. Uh, it's a very difficult thing to go through. Uh, it makes it much harder to go through it alone. So when people check in, it really makes a difference. You should know that your, your Hafter family, as you are a Hafter grad, your Hafter family um, is very much clamoring to do something um, in support and I am sure, and to help, and I am sure that many of our listeners are are also, they're dying to know. I mean, it's one thing, uh, you know, Mika Amcha Yisrael. So it is it is one thing to be able to hear all of these stories. And frankly, after seeing seeing a number of the pictures and, and hearing a number of the anecdotes um, and it hitting very close to home post-Hurricane Sandy, we all want to do what is, what, whatever anyone in Houston needs. So... 
Tell me what kinds of relief efforts are already in place, or are you just still cleaning up? Right now, we're very much in the cleanup phase, which is a very time-intensive and labor-intensive phase. Because, for example, in the shul, every single seat needs to be taken out, uh, put out, inventoried. Uh, the, lo- the carpets are torn up. Every single uh, safer from our uh, Beit Midrash library was moved to some, you know, another home where it could stay out of the humidity. Uh, and so this takes just a tremendous amount of time and, and manpower. Right. And that's, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing in the shul. That's what every single person is doing in their home. And, uh, and then, and then after that, there'll be the next phase, which is deciding what stays and what goes. And, uh, that's, and then the final phase is the rebuilding phase. Right. Uh, so in terms of what people can do, uh, thank you for, for bringing that up. Uh, th- there are certainly opportunities to contribute uh, to uh, help the community, uh, the shul, uh, contend with the, the financial uh, repercussions of, of, an event, of an event like this. And the slowly but surely, uh, various, um, various organizations are reaching out to see if sending manpower uh, makes sense. That still, I think, remains to be seen uh, because it's not that we, could, we can't house or feed or transport any crew, mm-hmm. right? When, when every, every person, you know, in this 250 or 200 family area not only took in between six inches and three feet of water, <laughs> their cars are also destroyed. Wow. So... You know, so sending a crew to help is a great idea, but the crew has to be entirely self-sufficient in terms of getting around, sleeping arrangements, eating. So we're just beginning now to see if, uh, if maybe next week there's, there's room for that. Um, and that would be part of the cleanup and, and sort of garbage collection, heavy labor type of stuff, uh, which is really important. Um, and so that's what we're working on. Right. It's, it's, everything is well intended, but if you're coming down there, don't expect everyone to put you up for meals. Everyone has to take care of themselves and, and get back on their feet. And while Houston is right. an incredibly warm and welcoming community, right now there's, uh, their hands are full, so to speak. Right. There are no open homes because everyone who has a room available is, has rented out to somebody. There are no cars. There are no rental cars. There are no apartments. Uh, because those are, you know, snatched up right, uh, right away. I-, I made my reservation for my rental car watching the water rise oh, in the middle of the night, knowing <gasps> that. So so it's well-intentioned, and so if people want to come, they should contact us first, and we will we will sort of let, let people know what, if anything, is needed. But just to show up at this point without a game plan of, of, of what to do, uh, would uh, be a little hard to manage. There's, um, a, you had mentioned <clears throat> that um, a house down the block, friends of yours, had an elevated home. I just want people to understand what that means and what prompted people um, to build sure. some, including the Aaron Kodesh, which is also, thank God, the, the Torah scrolls were all saved. Um, right. They were all dry. But just so you, the people over here can understand that or our listeners abroad can understand, because while homes have been elevated in the five towns area post-Sandy, it's not a common occurrence. 
Okay, so just uh, just just to explain to you before I answer that question, I'm just walking around my house and two young women from the Robert M. Barron Academy just showed up at my house to to help with the effort. I have four other students in there, and the you know, the neighborhood is, like, is crawling with kids helping. Right, because so school I'm be is able school to give is you guys school. instructions in as soon as I'm done on this call. Because school so is not in session. School is, is not in elevated s- house. Is that in 2001 there was a hurricane, Hurricane Allison, which brought with it similar flooding, although people are saying this is a little worse. And uh, in order to get a permit to rebuild uh, a new, to, to build a new home, the new home had to be built um, essentially on stilts, not on a flat foundation, but on stilts uh, four or five feet above the ground. Uh, so, the, so, so the insurance companies... FEMA would not constantly have to be paying out uh, flood claims. So any new construction has to be uh, above that, that, uh, that, that level. And so many people in this community built new homes, and uh, even not, even not even in direct connection to the flood, uh, but even when someone just decided to build a new home, they built it in that way. So those houses, uh, thankfully, are elevated. Right. Uh, you know, five or six or seven steps up and uh, from the ground level, from the street level, and uh, so they stay dry. So those are the houses we've all moved into huh. uh, in order to uh, to just have a place to, place to stay. So that's what prompted it, and that's, that's what it means. Rabbi Barry Gelman joins us from Houston. He is the rabbi of the United Orthodox Synagogues in Houston, giving us what is literally an eyewitness account of what he sees both in his home and in his shul and in Houston. You also made mention as two students joined you uh, in your home to help out. The Robin M. Barron Academy, like other schools, are not in session right now because of the flooding. And what was... what was Actually, actually I don't mean to interrupt, but Robert M. Barron Academy is in session. Oh, okay. I apologize. Uh, the, school, the school that's housed in my shul, which is the United Orthodox Synagogue's Goldberg Montessori School, which is a preschool, they're not in session, but they hope to be back in session. They have a crews working around the clock. Got it. They hope to be back in session on Monday. Uh, the Robert and Barry Academy seniors graduated last night, uh, and it's finals for the high schoolers, so the schedule is a little bit more flexible. So they're lending a helping hand. Got it. So because I wanted to, I wanted to give a shout out to all those students. You know, while especially with seniors, um, as I have a child who's a junior who already thinks she doesn't have school. Um, with seniors, Kalva Homer, they're, they're done. But still, everyone is rolling up their sleeves and everyone is helping. People are literally just walking into your home to see what they can do. It's a testament both to the community and to you as, as a rabbinical leader. The community's been amazing. Uh, as I mentioned to you, right when the sun came up on, on Tuesday morning, there were crews, guys from my shul in kayaks and rafts. Uh, going to the neighborhood, rescuing the elderly who who stayed in their homes for the night, but now had you know water in their home and needed to get to the safe ground where they could get medical attention and food and and plumbing and clean water. And so these people, they just they must have made fifteen or twenty rescues wow. around the neighborhood. Um, and that's just one example of many acts of chesed and you know heroic kindness. That, that we're seeing, and uh, it's, it's, you know, it's very, it's really overwhelming not only to see it, 
was overwhelming to receive it. You know, this is sad, really sad. Uh, but I think most of us only become emotional when people start offering us help. Wow. Uh, because then we realize, you know, how helpless we are. Uh, but, you know, my message to the community has been that uh, this is devastating and no one should, no one should uh, take, it, take that away, that, you know, people are looking at a situation where 50, 60% of their personal belongings are gone. <laughs> um, but it also reminds us that as fragile as the, the physical things in our life are, the human spirit that we're seeing here really is, it's really unbreakable, and it's really, uh, it's something to behold, to see when something like this happens, how people step up and, uh, and just really know what to do instinctively. And to think, and, you, to think you just had a full night of Shavuos learning just a couple of days ago how, how things have changed in just a matter of yeah. days. Just a matter it, of days. It is dramatic, yeah. So, Rabbi Gelman, I, I wish you, I mean, uh, and everything. <laughs> I wish you, you the best of luck, and please, um, if you whatever, we will reach out to you again. We look forward to hearing from you, and and in better spirits. I mean, for people who know Rabbi Gelman, he is an affable, warm man with tremendous sense of humor. So to hear him um, tone down is an understatement. Really hits hard for those of us who know you personally. My, my best to everyone in Houston. Please be in touch, and I will check in Thank again. You. So when you are ready to receive help, help you will receive. Let me just add one thing, if you don't mind. Sure, if people absolutely. do want to make contributions, they can go to U-O-S-H, that's United Orthodox Synagogues Houston, dot org, U-O-S-H dot org, and uh, that would be greatly appreciated. You got it. We'll post that as okay. well when we post a link thank to the show. Rabbi Gelman, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Shalom. Uh, you've been listening to That's Life here on the Nahum Siegel Network. I am Miriam L. Wall. Thank you for making us part of your day. That was just an unbelievable, unbelievable time with Rabbi Gilman. Uh, let's go through the lineup the rest of the day so you know what to look forward to and, of course, what not to miss. The live lunch starts here in just a few moments at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today at 1 p.m., it's the Stunt Show with Gorf with the latest episode of The World According to Gorf. Throwback Thursday at 2 p.m. That's the show from May 28, 2003. You won't want to miss it. It does seem like yesterday, but wow, things have changed since then. Join Nachum tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 as he hosts Jam and the AM live here on the stream at nachumsegel.com, Jam and the AM.org. Do not miss the weekly update with Malcolm Holmline at 7.40 in the morning. Naomi presents Table for Two tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Welcomes food blogger Liz Rubin, grill master Ellie Hoffman, as well as the CKCA's Jesse Blonder, who is a returning guest here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Saturday Night Siegel with with Avrami starting at 9.15-ish, says Avrami. you got to make Abdullah, got to get things started. Eternal Flame with Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson follows that and headlines with David Lichtenstein rounds up our rounds off. Rounds up? Rounds up? Avram, rounds up, R- rounds rounds up our programming on Matzei Shabbos, JM Sunday with Matas from seven to nine in the morning Eastern Time, and then at eleven a.m. As we have been mentioning, we are live on Fifth Avenue, bringing you coverage of the Celebrate Israel Parade. You will not want to miss it today. I leave you with "Walk with Me," the song written and performed by Soul Farm. They are the house band for the Celebrate Israel Parade. I do look forward to seeing C and Noah. This Sunday at the parade, they are always a lot of fun, and they are unbelievable mention. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys.
fall into your arms at the end of the day and get lost on your ancient pathways a moment of quiet when I'm on my knees all in a burning sun let me find some peace oh I know what this is worth and how much it means to you I know I You are. 